Hey everyone, my name is Yaro, and you're listening to the Creative Nature Podcast. I am really touched and re-enchanted by just listening back to the episode that I'm about to share with you just now. My guest is the wonderful Jinna Shah, who is an amazing community organizer and body worker and does so many other things as well. But we had a really beautiful conversation about many different things such as what happens when we really inhabit our bodies and ask, you know, what kind of space we're taking up and how, how we might orient ourselves towards joy and community and social justice in these times in a way that's really grounded in, you know, our lived experience. We also, you know, talked a bit about processing all this change that this time has brought and with that I should say that we recorded this interview back in December last year, 2020. And so it's been a little while and I'm really sorry it took me so long to bring this out because I really treasured this conversation and um, yeah, I don't know. I think this year just was a lot of upheaval for me and I feel that in the last few weeks um, I've really come out of this initial phase of kind of accident recovery that was um, was asking me to kind of just be week to week looking at what's right in front of me but um, with some support I have made a really lovely content plan well into summer next year so I feel I'm much more able to be consistent with podcasting now and go beyond you know the things that are most immediate I guess and think more long term about what I want to create here and so yeah I'm really grateful for your patience um, I hope you'll get as much out of this conversation as I did and just a few announcements from me as always um, mending together my six-week textile magic program is starting in a couple of weeks you can still join us it will be a sweet small group gathering um, towards the winter solstice starting mid-November and making some really simple embroidery. You don't have to know anything about this or have a ton of tools. You'll receive lots of guidance and just space to be together and create. And I'm really excited for that. Otherwise, I'm offering a free printmaking workshop um, also mid-November. I think it's the 13th. And I'll link to that in the, in the show notes so you can join us. You won't need any equipment. I'll just introduce some ideas and techniques and then you can decide if you want to buy anything but a lot of the things I'll share you can also just make with what you have already at home. Um, over at Yarrow Digital um, I'm changing my name towards Pinkwell Studio and focusing on um, eco-friendly web design. I talked about all of these changes a little bit more in my last solo episode so that's 124. I can't believe we have this many episodes. This is 125. Can you imagine? So that's cool. Um, thank you so much for your ongoing support and for listening. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review. Um, it supports my work, but it also supports all my beautiful guests to be found um, by more people. And that's so precious to me. So yeah, thank you. Hello, everyone. Mm, I'm really excited to speak to Jonas Chow today. Um, because as you know, I love talking about embodiment, about <sighs> deepening into ourselves, feeling who we are, creating spaces that feel meaningful and accessible and beautiful. And I know that Jonah's work is bringing all these things together. 
um, I made a website for her and I think it was the summer, but I'm not really sure now, and have kind of from the corner of my eye seen all kinds of beautiful things unfold um, this year. So I'm really excited to have time and space to ask some more questions and share those with you. Jonah, thank you so much for making time today. Thank you. <laughs> Would you like to begin by maybe telling us what you do and how you think you're about your work at the moment? Mm, thanks, Yaro. And thank you for the beautiful website, of course. Um, yeah, so at the moment, what I do is I teach gentle movement and meditation. Um, I do this mostly online at the moment and mostly community-based, working with a number of grassroots organisations across the country. Um, I guess for me, the work at the moment centres around cultivating three things, and that's connection, joy and community, which I guess summarises uh, how I strive to work. And a big component of how I work is trying to weave together social justice, movement and meditation um kind of laying the foundations within ourselves to relate to each other and to cre create communities that are rooted in kindness and in care mm -hmm. i really love how you articulated that just now because i think sometimes it can feel um abstract but you know just mm -hmm. really rooting into kindness and care it's so simple actually and <laughs> so needed right um yeah yeah, I would I would love to hear a little bit more about what first kind of got you into body work. Was there a moment or has it something has it been something you've always loved? Mm, yeah, it's a good question. Um so I've been meditating for quite a number of years. Um and I noticed when I went on uh well Buddhist meditation retreats that a lot of people were doing yoga as well and I thought, oh, maybe there's something here if um these people seem to be really into this. Um, I did grow up with movement, like my mum's quite a yogi. Um, so I, on one meditation retreat that I went on, I picked it specifically because they had yoga as well. And I started to get quite instantly that the same principles and inquiry that I was engaging in, in seated meditation, I could apply through, in movement. Um, and there was something about that, especially at that time in my life where I was really struggling with um, depression and anxiety being in motion really spoke to me and really helped me um it gave me a way to be with myself maybe when stillness and silence felt quite daunting and overwhelming and it did lead to the sense of pleasure and a release that I just couldn't get cognitively um and then in my early to mid 20 I was 20s I was working a lot in India alongside anti-caste movements there Dalit and Adivasi movements and I quickly learned that trauma is something that you know despite legal challenges legal strategies protests all of this trauma was something especially historical trauma intergenerational trauma was something that's deeply seated in the body and that we needed to engage with this to begin to heal. So it was there that I started experimenting a bit as well of bringing in more movement-based activities, um, working with comrades out there. And then that was something that later on, I really began to develop, not as an aside to activism, but as something that's really essential that I wanted to center more and more. So I think they were the main things that led me down this weird and wonderful path. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you already mentioned that you're mainly teaching online at the moment, and I would love to hear more about how your work has changed this year and mm-hmm. just generally what the pandemic has been like for you, maybe what you're grieving at the moment, what you're finding comforting. That's a really good question, actually, the grieving and what I find it comforting as well. Um, so it's interesting for me because this year has been a massive change in my own life in that after 12 years of working for charities and NGOs, that's something that I've consciously moved away from. And I'm now self-employed. I'm also training to become a craniosacral therapist. I think I started to become very disillusioned with um, charities and NGOs in terms of a lot of the internal structures um, just not conducing to healing, not modeling necessarily the values that they try and create in the outside world. And then with that came ideas around the uh, charity industrial complex. So this idea that they can tend to just uh, sustain um, themselves. Um, So the pandemic for me has gone parallel with my journey into self-employment and doing this work more or less full time alongside craniosacral therapy. I've been a lot more intentional in my own um, practice and my work along the lines of trying to really be conscious about what structures I'm upholding and sustaining through who I work with, how I work and all of that. So I feel like my work has become a lot more intentional and because my immediate needs are met um, and I have a lot of relative privilege in that regard, the pandemic has been a bit like a exhalation for me it has given me more space and time to reflect on how I work and some big changes for me have been um, around learning more around abolition and disability justice and how the learning from amazing thinkers um, and activists there has informed my practice Um, so some of that is around accessibility on a very practical way of decentering like the able body so a lot of my classes are now either chair-based or just um, not centered around the able body Um, and I've also been trying to debunk ideas dominant ideas that exist around the whole wellness industry for example that to engage in these kinds of practices you have to in, um, in inverted commas do clean eating or like you have to be of a certain class or use a certain language um it's really I guess made me want to push myself in terms of making these practices relatable for everyone um, in everyday life um it's also enabled me to work across physical borders um during the during the first lockdown I was running weekly gentle movement and meditation classes via zoom and it was so intergenerational it was almost by mistake um but but a very positive mistake we had you know people practicing with their grandfather someone practicing with their grandfather in Sri Lanka and then we had some seven and eight year olds and it was all very very mixed across intergenerational divides across physical borders and this is something that's really interesting me at the moment as well how that there is an opportunity now really to come together across um these borders um in terms of grief yeah that's a um it's a complex one i am definitely that grief is kind of where i am at the moment in quite a lot of ways um I think I'm grieving the fact 
that because of all of this, you know, social distancing, isolation, lockdown, all of that stuff, we have become quite disconnected um, from each other. I feel like a lot of people are quite suspicious of each other or there's a fear in terms of how we relate to other people. Um, and I do worry about the consequences of that longer term in terms of us coming together, in terms of us resisting, you know, the forces that be. So I think something in me is grieving what the longer term impact of all of this might be. Um, I also really hope that this is a moment where things might seriously change in terms of looking at global capitalism how it works, how it doesn't work really, um, and the injustices of it that has really been exposed um, throughout the world. And yet part of me really worries that there will be some kind of a return again in inverted commas back to normal. So it feels quite complex at the moment in terms of grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was nodding along um, and also doing deep exhales I was as I was listening to you um I relate to so much what you said and um yeah really missing the connection as well really feeling grateful for the spaciousness it has allowed us in some ways because yes our basic needs are, are met and so we really hold relative privilege within how we respond to this and I see in my own life that while it's been really difficult but it's also I've never had this much time to myself and in a way I even miss um, this wave of first responding that you described where mm -hmm. so much beautiful creative stuff is coming up and people yeah. were really um, forgetting so many of the conventions that I think we have in misguided ways have been holding on to as to like who belongs to which class Uh, exactly. as a as an online classes you know yeah. or like who practices together and how do we come together and um I think yeah like I said I really miss that feeling sometimes from from March and April where people were in shock I certainly was and that was yeah. really difficult in its own way but it, there was also a sense that all all, all bets were off the table I wrote my yeah. first book at that time which I think yeah. I had the confidence to do um mm without that general feeling of everyone just being like, well, you know, this is what I can offer. Let's practice together. Or like, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I think now in the second wave, we're tired and you know, people are tired and there's a little bit more cynicism. Yeah. That makes me feel sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, wait, there was one more thing I wanted to mention. <laughs> um, I forgot. This is what my brain is doing this year. That's something that I'm grieving, to be honest. Like, I just I just can't hold that much in my thoughts anymore. I'm the same. I'm kind of glad <laughs> when other people say that as well in terms of focus. It's yeah. just really difficult. <laughs> It is, yes. Um, I, wanna, I would love to dive a little bit deeper into your own practices. Like, mm -hmm. what do you do at the moment when you feel tired or anxious or overwhelmed? What feels mm -hmm. good for you? Yeah. That's a good question, and it's one that I keep having to ask myself because I think the question of like what do we find supportive and nourishing, I think that needs to be asked to ourselves time and time again because that's often changing so much. Um, part of it for me is um, slowing down, 
Um, and I say this with a bit of sheepishness because I've realised lately just how much I've internalised, I guess, capitalist ways of working and producing. And so I'd like to think I'm quite good at this stuff. <laughs> and then I've noticed sometimes when I really, really, really need to slow down or be flexible in terms of what I'm doing with my day or just to cut myself some slack, I notice that it's something that I really, really consciously have to do, this um, slowing down thing. Um, and I love this quote by um, Bayo Akomolafe, um, who says, the times are urgent, let's slow down. And I think there's something really, really in that, that these times do really require us to slow down, to reflect more, to dream a bit more as well. And that needs, needs space. So the things that are really helping me to do that slowing down is to be in nature. Um, sometimes I just have the urge to see, I think, especially living in London, um, a vast landscape. I'm just like, I need to go and see vastness. Uh, so yesterday I went to um, around like Devil's Dyke and had like a big long walk and went to the sea and it just felt really good. It was just a reminder that actually the ocean and the earth can hold it all everything in our experience and that helps to give me a sense of softening and helps me to feel a bit more um to allow my vulnerability to surface as well and um, so definitely nature feels like a really dependable resource um craniosacral therapy is something that feels amazing um and for me in my own experience Part of the reason that I love this therapy is it's extremely gentle and extremely powerful. Um, it feels genuinely resourcing. So whatever's going on in my life, you know, the winds of the worldly winds, change, loss, all of the stuff that will always happen to us, despite everything that goes on. When I have craniosacral therapy, I feel like someone is just plugging me into something bigger, the source, like whatever you're kind of frame of reference is be that energy be that if you believe in a god whatever it is I just feel completely plugged in and I feel resourced and ready to just meet things um however they're going to unfold um feeling a lot more full um it also really helps in accessing the parasympathetic nervous system where we know a lot of the healing and kind of rest and digest takes place so regular craniosacral therapy um is something that's really really been helping me another thing that I do at the end of all of my practices especially when I do meditation and when I run classes as well at the end of each class um in kind of Buddhist um circles they call it the transference of merit but I always like to remember why I practice why I do these things so it's not just for me or people in my classes to have a very nice, you know, a nice experience in that hour or so, though that is great. And I hope people do have that. It's for the alleviation of suffering of all sentient beings. So it's not just to create our own little patches of feeling good and okay. It's to also offer that up to all living beings. And it helps me, especially if I'm finding things a bit challenging or I'm not feeling as motivated in my own practice to remember why I practice. And that is for the wider kind of global community um, in a way. And another thing I like about cranio and, another, and um, practices like Qigong is how they work with, um, I guess the body's inherent vitality 
um, be that in Indian systems like they call it pranya or in um, Chinese systems like the chi. I really like, it feels like working on that level is really working at a very systemic level of helping flow within the body and the mind and the heart. So Qigong is something that I've really got into um, during the lockdown as well. And I like how gentle it is. So I often use draw on a lot of Qigong practices um, in my sessions and find that that's something really practical that um, most people are able to do and find kind of instant benefit from as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I love how um, accessibility really has come so much more into focus this year. And yeah. I, I keep thinking, oh, my God, I could have never participated in this thing a year ago. And now I can. Like I went to an online philosophy conference in September and I'm just not able to travel for that kind of thing and then really be present and take something in and stay there and you know have my dogs looked after and that's just one tiny yeah. you know aspect or idea but suddenly so much more becomes available and I'm really grateful and excited for you to do this and for the world to receive it um uh yeah so I I would love to hear a little bit more about I mean you have already spoken so beautifully about how um, social justice intersects with your work and I would love to ground that a little bit more and get more mm. specific because mm. again that can feel abstract but I think it's um, yeah. something that deserves so much attention yeah. I wonder if there's an example of something that shifted for you this year or some something that maybe in terms of accessibility you really want to hold on to and bring into the future whether the future is in person or not or just anywhere else you want to take this Mm. yeah I mean just thinking what what to um focus on here I guess inherently um if I'm going to be really quite if I'm going to simplify this uh in terms of activism and this kind of healing work uh we are we all as individuals we're the ones who are active we're the ones who um, decide on action in the world so then they're not separate it's not like we can wear one hat and wear one thing and wear one hat and wear another thing so I guess I'm interested in how we integrate um, the two um, and I love movement as a vehicle for this um, because for me movement offers us a container to explore and create like new pathways of being um, it helps it can help us to dream it can help us to perhaps discover new possibilities um, I think that is really important especially from an abolition point of view that we need to keep hoping we need to keep dreaming we need to keep pursuing the things that we want to create so sometimes um, through movement and one exercise I like to do in some classes is a walking exercise where um, it works well in a large space or outside where you're just walking, walking for the delight of walking, grounding into the earth. Um, and then I introduce cues around like noticing how much space you're taking up. Um, and this definitely is an interesting one to do, especially for people who have been rendered um, marginalized for ver on various um, markers of their identity. So it's noticing how much space you're taking up and then seeing if you want to take up more space or less space or 
how you actually want to move um, and it can be a really beautiful thing to see people really begin to explore to open up to take their seat to take their place um, a lot more and that can become quite a playful and joyous thing to do as well as we then explore um, like non-normative ways of walking like what happens if you lead from the side or um, if you twist the body or like what are the rules that we're applying to walking and what if we start to break some of those rules and it can be a really beautiful thing to watch as well because it's very playful but through using movement we can just begin to play around with different possibilities and I think that's something that I've really been enjoying um, doing a lot more of this year. Yes, I was nodding along again and kind of like playing this game in my mind a little bit. Sounds really beautiful and I hope that I can join the practice one day. And uh, that would be great. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, you spoke um, really beautifully also to joy and playfulness and how important it is to bring that to people. And I wonder if people are listening and feel inspired and see the importance of that. Like, what did you tell them what what is a good place to start other than the practices that you just shared is do you have other ideas for ways in which people can maybe also practice that by themselves yeah definitely and I think I'm glad you mentioned that because I it's really important to me to work in a way in sessions that give people tools um I don't want people to as much as um I really like and love the people who attend my classes I don't want them to be reliant on specific classes um, the idea is you come and I'm going to share tools that I find useful. Um, so, yeah, there's quite a lot, especially during this time where for a lot of us, touch, which is so essential um, for all of us, has been withdrawn for so many people. I think self-touch is a brilliant place to um, start. Um, so sometimes just so many people just don't really touch themselves apart from in ways that are very utilitarian right like putting on our clothes or doing something very functional sometimes I like just taking my fingers I don't know to my forehead and just feeling around that area feeling the emotional tone of it feeling the texture feeling the fleshy bits feeling the bone and then just taking my hand around the rest of the face and exploring it and often what I find especially in classes is that people have never really come into relation with themselves like this and then you can take the hands throughout the whole body and then what can be really lovely is to see can I make this touch even softer even more tender and it can be quite an emotional thing because we can find that very difficult sometimes I know I find it challenging sometimes to show myself kind of that love and that tenderness but it can be a really beautiful thing to do and that kind of soft kind of strokes as well can really help to calm the nervous system and I think sometimes people struggle with it and then I say okay think of someone that you really really love it can be a person it can be a pet it can be your favorite plant and touch yourself in the way you know with that same attention and care that you would give them so I think on a really basic le level just exploring your own skin your own body in that way can be a really lovely thing to do yeah yes um Listening to just just now, I I think that's so true. And also, I had a moment of feeling really grief that we, as a species, need that reminder to think of someone else. Yeah. You know, to bridge us into 
touching ourselves with real gentleness and kindness and yeah. that's so real but also it's really quite sad yeah it is sad yeah. it is it shows us a lot yeah it really does um I I wonder maybe this is a strange question you can really take this any way mm -hmm. you like but I wonder what you wish more people knew about their bodies yeah that's a good one hmm so I say this um in not being um I am one of those people right so I'm sharing things that I've come to know that I hope might be useful for others not that I've got it sorted or cracked the code in any kind of way but um something that craniosacral therapy has taught me is about the body's innate capacity to heal itself to balance and to restore it actually needs very very little input um we need a safe container which I think again why I love cranio that the presence of the practitioner in a very light touch way is there but what's happening is your own energetic field and your own body is regulating itself and that really requires very little um so there whenever i have craniosacral therapy or i'm practicing on someone i'm touched time and time again by the fact that actually our bodies and I say body, meaning body, heart, mind, our body really wants us to meet it and to come into relation with it. And often all it takes is that coming into relation to really start to shift things. So shifting things like pain, discomfort, the stories that we have that leave imprints in our body, often it takes very little. So that's definitely one thing. Um, I would love everyone to know more about the parasympathetic nervous system, which is one of my favorite um, topics um, about what that does and how we can access it. Um, so one of the practices that I love is yin yoga, where the emphasis is, I guess, on being as opposed to doing and on softening and releasing um, and accessing our parasympathetic nervous system, I mean, should be at the center of our lives, but the way that the structures in our lives are set up is often, you know, it, it's an afterthought. Um, we're so in our, um, you know, fight or flight response that I think really consciously taking time to learn about the parasympathetic nervous system and also having some practices that help you to um, access that is really, really worthwhile through these times. Yes, they, yes, that's so true. Mm. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we close? Could be absolutely anything you like. Yeah, um, I've been doing a lot of, um, I guess, thinking and reflecting lately on a few things. Um, the quote by Mariam Carver, um, a US-based um, activist who's done a lot on prison abolition, um, the quote, um, hope is a discipline, that really keeps coming up for me at the moment. Um, the place of hope, I guess, um, in our movements, um, in ourselves as individuals, I think hope and having hope is feels to me at the moment, if I'm honest, as necessary as it feels dangerous because obviously when we hope um we are vulnerable we're visioning something else we're hoping for something else we we've got an expectation there 
And yet at the same time, it seems so essential to creating the alternatives that we want to see. So I think this is with me a lot. Hope is a discipline. So how we cultivate hope in our daily lives and how we commit to doing that. Um, and the reason I think I'm thinking about that a lot is I hope that people listening to this will be aware of what's going on in India in terms of the farmers um, and agricultural workers striking. There are over 250 million workers striking as we speak, um, resisting uh, it's the brutal impacts of um, rampant capitalism there. Um, and tomorrow there's going to be a total shutdown um, in the country that they've called for. Um, I've found it deeply inspiring, the resistance there. And obviously we are also deeply connected that struggles anywhere in the world are connected with our own. Um, and that's kind of inspiring me, the scale of that resistance. Um, it's not really being reported in the Western media much as well. So I guess... I'm trying to remind myself to stay clued up and connected into what's going on in the world around us globally as well as governments try and focus so much more locally on national borders, um, especially as a result of COVID and, you know, try to create conditions whereby we're not actually in touch with our inherent interdependence. I guess I'm just stressing the importance of remembering how deeply connected we are. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. That's a really good note to end on. And I love what you said about how being disciplined and something that felt true to me along those lines this year was the idea of discipline becoming devotion. And that almost feels mm -hmm. like a circle of like making hope touchable in an almost devotional way, but That's also something. being aware of how precious that is and how easy it is to... to I was going to say to rest in that, but actually resting in anything is really great. So that's not actually yeah. quite what I mean, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Nice yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. How can people work with you and where can they find you and how can we just follow along your work and hear more? Yeah. Well, thanks to you, Yaro. I have a very beautiful website. Um, that is www.jilnashar.co.uk. And there you can sign up to my newsletter. That's a good way to keep in touch. Um, I don't really do the Twitter, Instagram thing. So email or via the website really is the best way to get me. Um, I am open for one-to-one -one sessions, group sessions and one-off workshops. And you can find a list of my upcoming workshops on the services um, page. Or if there's something that you're thinking about that isn't up on the website or you'd like to collaborate or you have a vision for a kind of workshop or something like that then just feel free to drop me an email and that's um hello at jillnashar.co.uk great thank you i'll link to that in the show notes as well thanks thank you so so much for your time and your headspace and everything that you shared it's been really beautiful thank you too yeah my first ever <laughs> podcast so that's quite a milestone yeah no great that's oh god you're an amazing <laughs> guest i'm excited for everyone else who gets to host you and I'm like what you shared today has felt really good in my body and i feel excited oh, i'm really about, glad yeah i'm feeling excited about doing a more a deeper movement and touch 
practice tonight and I'm going to think of thank you so much thank you thank you Yara and thank you for the work that you do as well I mean having the website and has definitely connected me um, with the kind of groups that and people that I want to connect with so that's been really great that this year I've got to work (laughs) with you and deepen my work in that way as well I'm glad it was good to be part of that thank you thank you